Oh, great. Thanks, uh, Nathan. Morning to you all. Happy to see you again. God is faithful. We continue with um, the series on the Holy Spirit. Quite an interesting series. Um, I've heard Adrian teaching. I've heard Felix teaching about it. I've heard uh, Nathan speaking about it. And last week we had Matt talking about it. And um, it really is amazing uh, what God is doing among us. So we are going to continue. And today we are talking about the evidence of God sealed. The evidence of God which is sealed. I believe uh, this topic is going to make sense to us in a few seconds or a few minutes, so do not worry about it. Um, thanks to the worship team, that was so, so powerful. Thank you so much. Uh, those words are very, very dear to us of what Jesus did to us. And we are talking about this because of what Jesus did. If it wasn't for Jesus, would we be talking about the Holy Spirit? But, but he did it. He did it for us. And he said it is finished. He gave us a new beginning. He gave us a new chance. And if a convict is given a new chance, that convict, if his brain or her brain is working properly, that person will use that chance never to go back to being called a convict again. And Paul says it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, no longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. So Jesus set us free so that we would be free indeed. I don't want to go back to captivity. I don't want to go back to the miserable years that I spent wondering what was wrong with my life, overthinking some things, sometimes contemplating suicide, sometimes thinking that I was probably born in the wrong family. I don't want to go back to those days because Jesus has set me free from them. Amen. Amen. And when he set us free, he gave us a promise. So we're going to see Acts chapter 1 when uh, Jesus is about to go up. And uh, the Bible says on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And listen to what the apostles say. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, are you at this time going to help sort out the inflation? Lord, are you at this time going to help us with the energy bills? Lord, are you at this time going to help the unemployment rate? Lord, are you at this time going to help with the war that is going on in the world? Listen to what he said. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. That statement on its own is comforting. To know that God has set dates. It doesn't matter what is happening, but God has set dates. And it's not for you to know what God is doing. But this is for you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth include Japan where Meg wants to go. 
Amen. So, we are talking about the evidence of God's seal. It starts with a promise. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, the Holy Spirit coming upon us meant we were going to receive power. And with this power, we were going to become his witnesses. Now, these were going to become his witnesses in Jerusalem, which, which is exactly where they started off, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It started in Jerusalem, it went into all Judea, Samaria, and now it is in the UK as well. <laughs> so it means this works. This is real. This is not some kind of a story that our grandmothers, grandfathers used to tell us by the fire at night. Some of which never happened. This is happening. <laughs> this is real. When so, he has given us power to be his witnesses. To be, what is a witness? A witness is a person who explains. <laughs> oh dear, I'm turning it off. Thanks again, Nathan. He was not talking of a story that he heard from his grandparents. He was talking of something that he himself experienced. When there's a story, when there's a case at court and they call for witnesses, they don't want one who read in the newspaper. They want one who was there when it happened. They want one who saw the things happening, who can identify who did it, at what time, what degree, what angle, if possible. They want a person who has the exact details. And so Jesus is saying, you heard me speak about the Holy Spirit. You are going to receive this Holy Spirit. And with this Holy Spirit comes power. And when this power comes upon, you are going to talk about me. You are not going to talk about yourselves. You are going to talk about me to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, this is the promise. Do not worry about the inflation that is going on. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's going to stay stagnant. They're doing all that they can to ensure that you don't suffer too much. Don't worry about it. God knows. He knows everything. Imagine God knows how many hairs you have in your head. He can count them. He knows them. I don't even know. I don't think there's a machine that counts the hairs. That, but God knows how many there are. So surely God knows that the inflation is going up. It's not something for you to worry about. This is the mission. He was saying, do not be diverted by the devil. The devil will divert you and say things are hard. Things are so hard. It's so difficult. But God says, you will be my witnesses. How are you going to get to the end of the earth? That is his problem, not yours. 
How are you going to get to this person in Japan? That is his problem, not yours. How are you going to get to India? That is his problem, not yours. You are just a witness. Be available. I will take you wherever I need you to go. The power is in you. So we are not ordinary people. We are extraordinary. There's an extra to the ordinary. That makes us special. So, when he spoke like this, he was taken up and went to heaven. And things started happening. In Acts chapter 2, you hear that one day when they were gathered on the day of Pentecost, and they were in one place, suddenly, there was a wind that was heard. And flames of fire started being I mean, noticed by everyone. Everyone saw tongues of fire landing upon each and every one of them. And they started speaking in tongues because they were filled by the Holy Spirit. And the people who had come to Jerusalem heard them. And they started wondering, what is this? They are praising God in my language. They, they started speaking the languages of the people that were around. And some of them dismissed it and said they are drunk. They have had too much to drink. And Peter rose up to speak. For the first time, the Peter that we had denied Jesus three times. He said, I don't know this man. He had to, remind, to be reminded by a cock that crowed that you have denied me. But we see the same Peter standing up to speak to crowds that he had never spoken to before. To speak in a manner that he has never done before. He had received the power to become a witness. And as he speaks, he is speaking of things that he had seen. Things that he knew. When you read chapter 2 and you read the, the sermon that Peter presented that day, it was so amazing. How he came to speak about it, you could imagine the old Peter who was a fisherman and this Peter that Jesus had transformed into an apostle. He spoke the word of God with power. And the Bible says, and people were pricked to heart and asked him, what shall we do? And he told them, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm just brushing through because I've got to point out to you the evidence of God that is sealed. Now, when the power has come upon you, this is what happens. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are going into the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. Where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Then Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Hey, that's exactly what I want. All right? <laughs> I want money. That's why I'm sitting here. But he says, silver or gold, I do not have. I need you to understand something. Now, this scenario was not a normal scenario. Hence, the need for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason why the Holy Spirit should be upon you is so that the scenarios that have been normalized by the world should be corrected by the children of God. There was a scenario at a gate called Beautiful. The gate was called Beautiful, but there was not a beautiful sight on that gate. There was a lame man who used to sit there every day. 
begging people for money. So the name beautiful was not beautified at all. It was not satisfied because the man was lame. It appears as everyone was entering, this man would be asking for, and he would sit there because at least the people are going into the temple. They should be so generous to me. They should understand and give me something. If we have a beggar sitting out there (laughs) begging for money, he knows that the people that are coming here have got softer hearts than the people out there. They'll obviously help me. And Peter and John are coming as well, but this time they are not coming as the ordinary Peter and John. They are coming as Peter and John who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And they see this man and they stand up. Probably they had gone there several times, but they didn't mind the man. But this day, the Bible says Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. You know, when a man is begging and you tell him to look at you, he thinks this is the jackpot. (laughs) They want me to look at him. They must have something big. And indeed, they had something big, only different. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. You see, when the Holy Spirit came upon them, he presented a certain situation in order for the glory of God to be revealed. Sometimes God removes the material things which, through which we solve problems temporarily so that a permanent solution is found. This is the reason why the Holy Spirit is necessary in our lives. He says, silver or gold I do not have because if I had silver or gold, then problem solved for the day. But guess what? Tomorrow the man was going to be seated there again. The money that you give him today was not going to be enough because let me tell you something, money is never enough. I think you all agree with me. Money, as long as we are alive, as long as we need something to eat, money is never enough. So even if they gave him a million this day, tomorrow he was going to come back. Because he would say to himself, they gave me a million yesterday, today it might be true. But Peter says, I don't have any of that. God has removed the silver and gold. But what I do have, you see, the difference between us and those out there is what we do have. What we do have is what we should give. Because what we do have is a permanent solution to a dying world. What we do have is a permanent solution to a world so desperate for answers, it is seeking them even in scraps. What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He just spoke the word. And then what did he do? Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. This is more than money. The ability to walk. Having been born lame is more than any money this world can give me. It's more than any lottery I can win. He, and what did he do? Then he went with them into the temple. He did not go home. He went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping. I remember Felix talking about <laughs> how in Africa, you know, when the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit is you have to be jumping. But the jump becomes so physical that by the time you go home, you don't even have an idea what the message was about. All you are thinking of is how tired you are from the jumping. (laughs) Walking and jumping and praising God. 
This is a great miracle that happened. This would not have been possible if they had not waited for the power of the Holy Spirit. If it was the ordinary Peter and John, this would not have happened. But they had a power. They had become witnesses. And like I said, do not worry about how you will get there or what will happen because as long as you have power, God will work through you. And he worked through them. And this caused quite a stir in Jerusalem. If you read from there, this was the beginning of the problems with the apostles. It caused a stir that they had to go before the Sanhedrin. They had to go there and be questioned by whose authority. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, and Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, it was no longer him. It was the Holy Spirit speaking through him. He said to them, the same Jesus that you crucified. He was not even afraid of them. You crucified him. He is the one who is doing this. So why are you putting the blame on us? Is it a problem that the lame man can walk? Is it our fault? Is it not good for the environment as well that he can walk? Is it not good for us all that there's no longer a lame man sitting there begging for money? And then the men, they push them out. Then they discuss among themselves, these people are not educated like we are Yes, They don't have degrees now. No PhDs now, nothing. No, they don't drive Rolls Royce. No, they don't drive a Rolls Royce. No, they don't even own bicycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have been with Jesus. The world has got to realize that no matter what we have or what we don't have, we have Jesus. And that is all that matters. When I have Jesus, nothing else matters. <laughs> okay. And so, this is what happened. The man could walk again. Now, I, I was just talking about this as an introduction. Now, I'm getting into why we are here today. The evidence of God. It's only for a few minutes, don't worry. It's only for a few minutes. Now, I'm going to talk about why we are here. Why we are called the evidence of God that is sealed. Number one, we are the evidence of God because the Holy Spirit is in us. Now, Matt was talking last week. He said something that I've been praying for the whole week. He said to us, the Holy Spirit is not an inhaler that you puff when you feel like you can't breathe on your own. He says we have been given him permanently. He is in us permanently. He's not someone who we look for when we're in trouble and when all things are okay, we'll be dancing to our own tunes and not minding whether it's there. No, he is not like that. He wants to fill us every time, all the time, every occasion, whether we are sleeping, whether we are walking, whether we are working, whatever. He wants to be in us full time. I hope this is clear. Yeah? All right. So, what happens? What, is, what happens when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit? What happened when a person becomes the evidence of God? Let's go to Romans chapter 8. It says something to us. Oh, okay. That's all right. Let's start with Ephesians. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Let's start with Ephesians. Um, Ephesians chapter 1. That's fine. You can go back to Ephesians. Don't worry about it. Now, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now, he's talking about us, the Gentiles. Remember, we were not part of the plan of God. But, of course, we have been part of it, but we were hidden. If you read the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, you know, Ezekiel, he talks about the Gentiles. They talk about the Gentiles. We were hidden. God was giving Israel a chance. 
But Israel rejected Christ. You remember when John wrote, uh, John chapter 1, he says he came to his own, but his own did not recognize him. They did not accept him. They did not receive him. But as many, now as many includes now the Gentiles, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. So you were included in Christ when you received the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, listen now, you were marked in him with a seal. Now, that is the sealed part that you want to talk about. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Now, they are going to show us a seal in a second, if you don't mind. Hmm. In him, you were marked with a seal. I hope you can recognize what that is. That's an engagement ring. We have one of our own who got engaged a few weeks ago, and Jenny made the announcement here. Now, when we were saved, God marked us in him with a seal. He put the seal on us. Meaning to say, we now belong exclusively to him. Now, when one is engaged, what you're basically saying is, you are now mine. Oh, come on. Am I lying? Am I lying? When you engage, you are, pro- you are, you are, you are telling the world that this one is sold. No longer on the market. And to you who is putting on the engagement ring... As you walk around, when people look at you, they see that you are taken. <laughs> All right? That's why, in, well, in Africa, particularly where I come from, engagements are not a big deal. But here in Europe, they are a big deal. And some of you are here through the grapevine that you wanted diamond rings <laughs> for engagement. One person was telling me that the ring that she had, the engagement ring, was 6,000 pounds. This is how important an engagement is. It's not just an occasion. You are being sealed with a mark. This is a mark to say you are mine, and the mark is guaranteeing what is to come. Now, what is to come when one is engaged? Marriage. Is it? It's a promise that I'll marry you. Is that correct? Am I right? Yes. Yes. I was listening to the radio on Friday uh, to one of the radio stations and they were congratulating a couple that were engaged for 19 years that decided to get married finally. <laughs> After 19 years. All right? They were engaged for 19 years. Okay, while the time is too long, in my view, but ultimately, the promise was fulfilled. Because engagement is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So when you are engaged, it's a, it's a promise. It's a promise that there's more coming. This is just a deposit. This is just for others to know that I have deposited. 
I'm coming back to pay the full fund. So when God gave us the Holy Spirit, he put a deposit in us, guaranteeing an inheritance that is to come. So the Holy Spirit is not for us to jump around like frogs. It is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in Christ Jesus. So we are sealed for an eternal inheritance in Christ. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It is to mark you as belonging to Christ and going to heaven. On condition that you don't flirt around whilst you're wearing the ring. Because guess what? The devil doesn't care that you're wearing a ring. There are people out there, they see you wearing a ring, still they approach you. Oh, your husband is not taking care of you. Oh, your wife is not treating you. I can do better. This is a seal. There's an inheritance in this. And guess what? When you get married, there's an inheritance as well. Because they say to death do you part. So when death does you part, there's an inheritance as well. Physically, isn't it? You get an inheritance. All I'm trying to point you out is in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance. That has long been promised to us. And the inheritance is some, so that God has deposited his Holy Spirit guaranteeing what is to come. So we have been marked with a seal. We belong to Christ and to him alone we shall belong. That's why I loved what we were singing this morning. 10,000 reasons. This is one of the 10,000 reasons we are sealed in him. Hallelujah. I hope it makes sense. So as you sit there looking at me and I looking at you, we are all sealed for an inheritance that is to come. We were singing and saying, and when that day comes, when he shall, his, his light shall pierce, the sun shall pierce the darkness, when Jesus comes again in his glory, we and the other saints are going to be caught up with him. Now when the seal is not there, then you'll be like those five foolish virgins that were told, we don't know who you are. I don't want to be told to go back where I was. Go back where? Because Jesus says, I will tell some of them, go back to where you belong. I don't know you. We have a seal. We now belong to Christ. We need to walk in step with the Holy Spirit because we belong to Christ. Number two, the evidence. Now we are going to the evidence and I'll finish off. Romans 8 verse 5. Now I've just taken this scripture. We know uh, Adrian read it last week uh, from verse 1. Where it says, there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I like the vision that says, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Some of the visions have shortened that scripture to just say there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Full stop. But the original vision says, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we come to verse 5. He says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, because we have been sealed, now we are living in accordance with the Spirit, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now this last image here is going to show us exactly what we are talking about. What do you see? A pregnant woman. Very interesting. <laughs> All 
Now, those who have their minds set on the flesh do things that the flesh requires. But those who have their minds set on the spirit, who have been sealed, and their minds are set on the spirit, live according to what the spirit desires. Now, when we see this person, I, I had to hide the face so that we don't know who, who she is. It doesn't matter. But what matters is the condition that she's in. She is pregnant. She's carrying something. Not something. She's carrying someone inside of her. Now, all of us here came from this. No one fell from the sky, isn't it? We came from that. That's why we say, I'm going to see my mother. Who is your mother? The woman that carried you for between seven to nine months. Because some were born prematurely, which is not their fault. And some were born after nine months. I have a sister who was born after ten months. She just didn't want to come out. <laughs> so, now what does this mean to us? What this means, especially, and now I'm talking probably more aligned to women, but it's for all of us to understand. And women here will help me, God willing. When you are in this condition, a lot of things happen. It is, you are no longer living for yourself, but you are living for the person that you are carrying. All right? Number one, things begin to happen in your physical body that show us, that give us evidence that you are carrying someone. Now, in the first one, two months, some people may not notice that you are pregnant. Some people may not see it. But or maybe you and your, your husband know, and members of the family know, oh, a grandchild is coming. But if you tell me, I look at it like, but where is this grandchild? I can't see anything. But after three, four, five months, this starts to happen. Now, when this starts happening, your choice of clothes begins to change. You can no longer put on those tight jeans that you used to put on. You can no longer put on those uh, tight tops or whatever it is that you want to. You, whatever you're putting on has to accommodate what you are carrying. I hope you are getting to where I'm going. So your choice of clothes has changed. Your food intake changes. You start eating what you would normally not eat. When my wife was pregnant with Joe, she used to eat lots of pizza. She used to eat lots of, there's this sausage that we call burrovos. It's South African. She used to eat lots of, we, we would go out and all she would want is, I want burrovos. <laughs> Nothing else. This is what I want. She wanted, she loved dry fruits. Would go to this supermarket, she would come in there with dry mangoes, dry figs, dry guavas. She, she, she would eat things that I would look at and say, oh my God, what is going on with this woman? And guess what? When Joe was born, and when he was about three, he would finish a whole box of pizza by himself. <laughs> the first time we bought him a small pizza, he finished it. Then we bought him a medium, he finished it. Then we bought him a large pizza, he finished it. Then we bought him a mega pizza, he finished it. Because when he was in there, this is what the mother was eating. So you can see, it was not about the mother. It was about the person who was inside. That's why the mother would wake up in the middle of the night, oh, I'm craving a pizza. 
That's why you used to wake up in the middle of the night, oh, I'm craving this. And your, some husbands can confess to say, I had to go out in the middle of the night to go to a 24-hour convenience store just to find a yogurt because my wife is yearning for a yogurt. What is happening is the woman is living according to the desires of the person living inside of her. This is what happens when the Holy Spirit is in you. You begin to live according to the desires of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer about you. Paul says it's no longer I that lives, but Christ is living in me. So when a woman is pregnant, she is eating what the child wants. Some women, like back home, we would definitely know that this woman is carrying a boy because they would no longer want to have their hair done. They, when they smell those chemicals, they say, no, 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 not for me. Some of them would even go to the extent of shaving their hair and just to put on clothes for the sake of... Some of them would actually go without a bath. And we would know, mm, probably it's a boy. <laughs> but we were never 100% correct. <laughs> now, what I'm basically telling you as I finish is, when you have the Holy Spirit, a lot of changes take place in your life. Now, these are not outward. So let's run away from those people that tell us to show outwardly that we are carrying the presence of God. Whoever is carrying the Spirit of God, even when you are walking in the street, even when you are sitting in the train, even when you are in Audi or Tesco shopping, the evidence is there for all to see that this person is different. Have you ever seen that people would rather approach you to ask something than approach even the, the attendants of the shop? Because they see something that you yourself may not know. But when you carry the Spirit of God in you, people see it. The evidence is the, you are the evidence that God is alive. You are the evidence that God loves people. You, see, you, see, you wonder why sometimes your neighbors are so soft towards you. Your neighbors get your bin out for you sometimes when they're not there. You see your bin has been emptied. Who, who, what did this? It's because they see something they may not tell you because they think maybe they, they might say something that is not right, but they can see. You see, when you have Christ in you, people can see it. When you are evil, people can see that this one is evil. They can see, they can tell. You don't, you don't need to tell people off first for them to say you are evil. When you tell them off, they say, oh, we knew it all along. It's just confirmed it. So when you are full of the Holy Spirit, by the time you tell a person, I am a child of God, they will say, we knew. We saw it from day one that there's something about you. Why? It's because you are no longer living according to how you want to, but according to the Holy Spirit's desires. So when the Holy Spirit is upon you, all you think about is what can I do for God today? All you think about is when am I going to Japan? Because I want to do things for God. All you think about is, oh, what can we do for the little lights? Because we want them to enjoy life the same way we do. All you think about is what can we do to make just a helping hand more vibrant because there's a prompting in you. All you are doing is you are taking your Bibles, you are going to a motorcycle center or whatever for the bikers. You sit there with your Bibles. You have no idea what you are doing there, but you know you've got to do something. We want to distribute these Bibles. And at the end of the day, God comes through for you because he is in you. 
Sometimes you do things that you don't even understand, but because you're carrying someone in you, he knows. He knows. All he needs is a vessel. All he needs is someone who says, here I am, use me. And when you present yourself to him, he will do great things that will turn the world upside down. And that is the person that I'm looking at. You are not ordinary. You have got an extra to your ordinary. God bless you.